Welcome to episode one of our podcast. We're really excited to actually start putting our story out there, and we hope that in this episode we're able to cover some of the emotional and physical aspects of trying to conceive, quote-unquote, the sex way. Just a disclaimer, this episode does go into some biology, so just be prepared. Honestly, even though I'm excited for this, I'm also pretty nervous about sharing with everyone. Yeah, this was a really difficult time in our lives because the way our story kept unfolding was honestly really surprising for us, and we were still too early in our journey to have any real answers. It was this vicious cycle of hope and despair, constantly expecting to get pregnant and then being let down. I hope this gives you guys some insight into what the first year and a half looked like for us. Our story of trying to conceive starts in February of 2018, probably like most others. I stopped taking birth control. This actually happened because, of course, I saw an ad on Instagram. This ad was for an app that claimed to track your cycles and help you to find your five fertile days each month, allowing you to know which days to abstain in order to avoid conception. All you had to do was wake up every morning and take your temperature before getting out of bed, like before moving at all, and record it in the app. I didn't know it yet, but in the fertility world, this is called tracking your basal body temperature. Once your temperature spikes, it means that you've ovulated. Pregnancy is only possible on the five days leading up to ovulation, plus the day of ovulation. So with this new information, I ditched my pills and grabbed a thermometer, and I started tracking. We had been talking about starting a family at this point, so it sounded like a good idea to stop taking birth control anyways. And if we accidentally got pregnant with this tracking method, so be it. We weren't really sure that this whole fertile window thing was a great method of contraception, but we followed the app's recommendation and abstained on all the red days that the app gave us. We did this for three months without a pregnancy. It had worked. We had successfully avoided pregnancy with this method, so it must work the opposite way as well. In May, we decided we were definitely ready to start our family. This is going to be so easy. We already knew which days Allie was fertile. We'd just switch our goal and make sure that we had sex on the days that we had previously been avoiding, and we'd have a baby in no time. We were so excited. We told our close friends and our family because we knew this was going to be our next big thing. Well, the first month passed and nothing. We were disappointed, but doing a quick Google search, it looked like our chances of conception were really only 20-25%, to even if we had timed it perfectly. It was fine. Next month would be our month, except it wasn't. At the beginning of each month, we would talk about our future child, what gender we wanted our child to be, potential names, what they would look like, how they would act. We talked about how much we would love them when they smile, and how much we would hate them when they scream, and who would spoil them more. We would see babies when we went out, and we would smile to ourselves, thinking, we can't wait for this to be us soon. All of this hope and excitement for our next chapter made each negative pregnancy test increasingly difficult. And by the end of the third month, we were getting pretty anxious. Why wasn't this happening? What did we do wrong? I was taking my prenatal vitamin every night. I was taking my temperature every morning. I was peeing on those little strips and subsequently peeing all over my hands in order to track my hormone levels. So we knew exactly when to time sex. Why wasn't I good enough to get pregnant? 
There must be something that we could be doing better, but what was it? Maybe if I bought a more expensive pregnancy test, it would detect a lower level of HCG, or the pregnancy hormone, and it would show that I was indeed pregnant, but I wasn't. So by the time that we started our fourth cycle, I was sure that this had to be it. All of our Googling had led us to believe that most healthy couples would conceive around the first three months of trying. We were 23 and healthy, so it had to be our turn soon. But sex was no longer fun and intimate. It started to feel timed and forced. It was for a purpose, and we had to get it done when it needed to be done. I missed the spontaneity, and I missed when it was fun, but I told myself that this would be temporary. We had to keep on keeping on. So I bought some essential oils, because those cure everything, right? Of course. I took my prenatals, I tracked my temperature, we put pillows under my hips during sex, and I even tried doing handstands after sex. And at the end of the month, my period didn't come. Was this it? I grabbed a pregnancy test, and I peed on that thing with so much excitement. But it was negative. Maybe it was still too early to test. But 14 days after I thought I had ovulated? Off to Google. It looked like it could still be a possibility to have a late positive. I'll test again tomorrow. Still negative. What was going on? For days, I took pregnancy tests. Hundreds of dollars <laughs> worth of pregnancy tests. And saw negative after negative after negative. I was devastated and confused, and I was angry. Why was this happening to me? I was watching everyone around me get pregnant with ease, or even on accident. Why didn't the universe believe that I deserved to be a mom? So not knowing what to do, I made an appointment with my doctor. We told our doctor that we'd been tracking Allie's cycles, timing sex, and we thought we were doing everything right. And somehow, Allie's period was nowhere to be seen. But at the same time, she wasn't pregnant. We asked her to run some tests, but she pretty much just laughed and said that we probably were just too stressed out. She told us to stop tracking everything, that basal body temperature wasn't a real thing, and that we'd be fine. She ordered a blood pregnancy test, which of course came back negative, and sent us on our way. It was difficult to be told that all this work and research that we'd been doing for months was worthless, and to just calm down and it would happen that we were young, so there was no real reason to look into possible problems, because odds were that it's going to be easy to get pregnant at our age. When we got home, I broke down and I cried. What was wrong with me? I wasn't pregnant, and I couldn't even get my period so that I could start over again. And on top of that, my doctor didn't even take me seriously. But after two long months of anxiety and waiting, I didn't think that I would ever feel so relieved to start my period. At least we can start again. At that point, I wasn't even expecting to get pregnant, but of course I was hoping. Mostly, I just wanted to have a regular period, though. It was so frustrating. My cycle had always been a textbook perfect 28 days, or at least what I thought was textbook perfect. But now I felt so broken. We'd been at this for six months already, and I was tired. Everyone else could get pregnant so easily, and I couldn't even do the one thing that my body was made to do. We tried for one more cycle with the same stressful tracking, the same forced, perfectly timed sex, and again, nothing. 
After this last failed cycle, we booked a trip to Mexico for Christmas because we couldn't handle celebrating the holiday with our families without an addition to our family as we had pictured. Plus, a trip to Mexico would mean that we would be forced to stop trying for at least three months due to the Zika virus. Zika virus has been known to cause birth defects, and we wanted to ensure that we had made the responsible choice that wouldn't endanger our future child. This would be the perfect excuse to give ourselves a break from this roller coaster of emotions. In January of 2019, right after getting back from Mexico, Shane came down with a terrible case of the man flu. Well, we both did, but it landed Shane in the ER because it's obviously so much worse for men. The nurse and I made fun of him as he got a bag of fluids and was sent home, hitting our deductible on the 11th day of the year. We didn't know this yet, but it would actually come in handy in about 10 months. During the three-month waiting period after traveling to Mexico, we really did a great job not getting pregnant. I had figured this would probably be a pretty good time to start job hunting while we were on a break. I'd been in an extremely stressful job that would call me at all hours of the day, night, and on the weekends. And in retrospect, my job stress probably was partially causing my erratic periods, just like the doctor had said. Luckily, you did find a much lower stress job in March of 2019, but starting a job at the same time as starting to try to conceive again didn't sound like the best idea. It was still a lot of stress. We had also planned a vacation to Disney World in September, so it made sense to wait until then to start trying again. So, again, we excelled at preventing a pregnancy. Though we were on hold from trying, that didn't stop me from doing everything I possibly could to optimize my fertility. We live in a society that promotes the idea that good things happen to good people, or that good things happen to those who work for it. So it had honestly felt like there was something that I had done wrong. It felt like something I did or didn't do was the reason for our failure, even though I didn't know what it was. I truly blamed myself, and I was determined that there was no way I was going to repeat that last year again. In an attempt to reduce stress, I bought an Ava bracelet. This $300 bracelet tracked my temperature along with other parameters while I slept so that I didn't have to wake up and try to take my temperature first thing every morning. Well, actually, you bought two. Our dog biscuit snuck into our room one day and completely ate one of them, so we had to buy a second one. Well, he did spit out the clasp. Right. (laughs) So, $600 worth of sleep trackers later, I also decided to totally overhaul my diet to include only whole, unprocessed foods, and I actually lost 25 pounds in the process. My periods returned to a normal 29 to 31 days, which I found out, by the way, is considered normal. 28 days is just average, not normal. One of the biggest things that I did, though, is learn about my body and my menstrual cycle. Buckle up, everybody. This is going to be a tiny biology lesson. So before this whole ordeal, I hadn't realized that the menstrual cycle actually comprised of two phases the follicular phase, and the luteal phase. The follicular phase is the first two weeks of the menstrual cycle. This is when the hormone estrogen is dominant, which helps to thicken the uterine lining and gets the lining ready to receive a pregnancy. During the follicular phase, your ovaries are also developing a follicle that contains an egg that will be released. 
In a healthy cycle, this should happen around cycle day 14, or 14 days after the first day of your period. Luteinizing hormone, or LH, spikes right before ovulation, signaling for your body to release the egg. This is the hormone that I had already been tracking, and the one that told us when to have sex. After ovulation, you enter your luteal phase, and the hormone called progesterone takes over. This hormone is produced by the corpus luteum, which is now the empty follicle from which the egg had ovulated. Progesterone regulates the lining of the uterus after ovulation and it maintains it, should a pregnancy occur. It's also the hormone that's responsible for the temperature spike after ovulation, and that's what makes basal body temperature tracking possible. If a pregnancy does not occur, the corpus luteum begins to die, progesterone falls, and the body is signaled for the cycle to start again. I know this all seems like a lot of information, but I promise digesting these basics now will help you follow along with the IVF process once we get there. Hey, spoilers. Oh, sorry. You also read up on all the toxins that are found in common household items, such as cleaning products, shampoo, body wash, makeup, skincare products, toothpaste, you name it, it has toxins in it. And you made us get rid of all of those, because some of these harsh chemicals can act as an endocrine disruptor. An endocrine disruptor is a chemical that can interfere with the human hormonal system, and basically it can just mess up your periods. It was a difficult process finding clean replacements that we liked, and they were definitely more expensive. But you thought that it would be worth it if it had been the reason for our struggles. Another part of this learning process was learning about the fertility awareness method. It's pretty involved and takes restraint and commitment from both parties, so it isn't a method that works for everyone. However, it can be used for contraception as well as for conception. Fertility awareness method involves tracking fertile signs that are including but not limited to basal body temperature, cervical mucus, and cervical position. This helps you to tell when you are and aren't fertile. First, I learned that using an app with an algorithm can be untrustworthy, and that in true basal body temperature tracking, it's best to look for the temperature spike yourself. This is what had happened to me. My app had told me that I had ovulated because of its algorithm, when really I hadn't, making me think that my period was late. But in reality, my ovulation had just been postponed, which is a common symptom of stress. I went back and looked at my charts, and I clearly saw that if I had just been looking for my own temperature spike instead of trusting my app, I should have seen that I hadn't ovulated yet. Next, I learned that your cervical mucus changes throughout your cycle. Finding cervical mucus that was egg white in texture became an exciting event for me, and I'd always make sure to tell Shane, because it had meant that ovulation was approaching. Yeah, I love that. Lastly, I learned that your cervix actually changes both in position and texture throughout the month as well, based on changes in your hormones. To be honest, I tried tracking this, but it's pretty much just as awkward and uncomfortable as it sounds, so I never really got good at it. But I wish that I'd had this knowledge the year before. It would have saved me so much heartache and confusion after my period had vanished. I now felt so empowered by knowing my body and I became so in tune with how I felt throughout the month. All of my fertile signs were lining up, and I just knew that nothing could be wrong. So, just in case, I made Shane take a sperm count test that I'd purchased on Amazon, 
and it showed a positive. We were all good. I'd really covered all of my bases, and I'd done everything that I could possibly do this time. There was no way that I was going to fail at getting pregnant again. Or so I thought. That brings us to September of 2019, right before our Disney World trip, which turned into a Hawaii trip. That's a story for another time. We were excited to start trying again. We had started thinking about our child and our next milestones again, such as, at Thanksgiving, we can announce to our families, or... By Christmas, we'll know the gender. A big one for me was, by next Mother's Day, I'll be getting ready to meet our baby. But a visit to the doctor put a damper on that pretty quickly. And you'll have to listen to our next episode to find out why. Thanks for listening to this first part of our story. I know we threw a lot of information at you, but spent a pretty long period of time. If you have any questions or comments about anything, feel free to reach out and we can discuss. Maybe we'll even do a Q&A section on the podcast? Yeah, we'll see. Either way, we look forward to hearing from you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.